If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21 tonight. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And we'll be starting in verse number 18 and we'll be reading through uh, verse number 23. And uh, we're actually going to begin in the middle of a story. And uh, once we get going, we'll go back to the beginning of chapter uh, 21 and we'll kind of go over the backstory of what's happening right now. Um, uh, but uh, as uh, we honor God in the reading of his word, if you are able, would you stand uh, and uh, we'll honor God uh, for who he is and for how great he is and honoring him and reading his word tonight. And so uh, we'll be begin reading in verse number 18 tonight. And it says this, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went up and the, uh, excuse me, and David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake with the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing uh, instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. May we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank, I thank you so much for who you are, and Lord, that we can plead your blood. Lord, I thank you that uh, we can read your word tonight in freedom, and Lord, to be able to grow in your word. And God, I thank you so much for Hillside Baptist Church and for our youth department. Lord, I pray that you would empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Lord God, I pray that this would be all glory to you, everything that happens tonight uh, and in the future, Lord, that may we bring all glory to you because you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So we'll go back to uh, the beginning of this chapter, and we'll just kind of go through all the way up to verse number 18, and we'll begin there with the actual message for tonight. So there's a little bit of an introduction here. In the beginning of the chapter, verse number 1, we see Satan is tempting and provoking David into numbering Israel. This is in verse number 2. In verse number 2, well, verse number 1, and now verse number 2, David falls in the temptation of Satan and sends out Joab and the other rulers to number Israel. Now let me stop right there. Can I just tell you this? That uh, we serve a God that does not care about numbers. He doesn't care about numbers. Uh, and the reason why this was such a great thing to the Lord, because we'll read here in, in verse number 7, it says that it displeased God. That God was greatly displeased with what had happened. And the reason being is because whether it's 100, whether it's 1,000, or whether it's 10,000 in the battle, it's all God's. It has nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with anything of that sort. I think of churches. I've heard churches uh, that oftentimes complain because they're not growing in number. It's always good to see more added to the church, is it not? It's always good to see new faces and to see our church grow, absolutely. But if we put our full focus on just the number, we've misstepped. We're out of line. Our full focus should be on Jesus Christ and saying, you know what? No matter what the number, whether big or small, you're in control. 
You're in control. Okay, and so this is the big problem that we're having here in, in, uh, in chapter 21. And so in verse number 7, as I said, God was greatly displeased with this. Now David recognizes his sin and pleads with God. In verse number 10 and, uh, through 14, we see that God gives David three choices as to what punishment will befall Israel. Okay, the first choice is three years of famine. The second choice is three months to be destroyed by their enemies. And the third choice is three days under the sword of the Lord. In verse number 13, David, knowing how great God is, and also understanding, do we understand that God can do anything? And when it comes to disciplinary actions, there could be great consequences to the sin that we do. And even with those things that Satan knew, uh, that Satan, excuse me, that David knew who God was and what he could do, this is what he chose. Three days under the sword of the Lord. And I read that and I thought to myself, and you might think this as well, why would David choose that? Because David also knew what a great, merciful, and gracious, and loving God he served. Amen. You know what, when I was younger, I, I, I'm, I'm happy and I'm glad that my, my dad's here tonight, but when I was younger, I would rather be disciplined by my parents who I knew that loved me than another person that I knew did not. Same way here. David would have rather been, uh, been disciplined by God Almighty, who he knew loved him, than by his enemies. Okay? And so uh, we see here that David chooses the hand of the Lord. So David sees the angel of the Lord and the angel, uh, uh, this, this angel of punishment standing between the earth and, and uh, the heaven with, uh, with a stretched out hand. In verse, in verse number 17, David pleads to God after seeing 70,000 men die. That's a pretty great punishment. That's, pretty, that's a pretty great punishment. 70,000 men have died and David finally comes to his senses and says, you know what? It's, he finally pleads with God in verse number 18, the angel of the, uh, well, excuse me, in verse number 17, David pleads with, uh, to God after seeing 70,000 men slain. He says, punish me, deal with me because I'm the one that sinned. This is, it was my fault. Deal with me, Lord. And so this is what God does. The, in verse number 18, the angel of the Lord told Gad the seer to tell David to go and set up an altar in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. David goes and asks Ornan for the threshing floor, at it, uh, and it is the response of Ornan is where I want to set up camp for tonight. The response of Ornan when we dig into God's word tonight is amazing. It's really something great. Ornan doesn't just, uh, when David goes and asks for the threshing floor, Ornan doesn't just give David, King David, what he asked for. You know, uh, tonight when, when I was studying and I was thinking about what I should title the message tonight, and I was really hesitant to title it this because we have the dessert auction and y'all are going to be giving so, uh, giving so much as you always do, but tonight's message is four words. I give it all. I give it all. Last four words of verse number 23. I give it all. I'm giving everything up. So I was, I was very hesitant on doing that because I didn't want you to misunderstand that I want all your money. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Ornan understood something that many of us today don't understand and, and don't want to understand is the great value in total surrender. There's a great value in total surrender. We don't have a problem in, 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 our, in our comfortable lives. We don't have a problem with giving God a little bit here and a little bit there. 
and hanging on to the things that we love so dear or, the, or, or what our flesh really desires. We don't have a problem with giving God all of that and then hanging on to a little bit, but it's another story when we say, God, I give it all. It's all yours. I'm not holding anything back. So Ornan here, he understands what total surrender is. Ornan got the point, got to the point where he said this, or, or, he's, or you could think he could say this, I'm not holding anything back anymore. I'm not keeping anything to myself. I'm not worried about what I can do for myself or how it could profit me. I give it all. Let me tell you something. Our Heavenly Father is not looking for most of us. Our Heavenly Father is not looking for a part of you or just, or just a, a good portion of you. God wants everything. God wants all of you. God wants us to be all in. God wants us to give it all to Him. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that will say, enough with the games, enough with the tricks, and enough with the attitude of, oh, I'm happy, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy when I go to church, but when I'm done with church, whew, man, I'm back in the world and I'm good to go. I, I wonder if there's someone here tonight that will say, you know what, I'm tired of the phony altar calls. I'm tired of the phony decisions. I'm tired of coming down and weeping and weeping and weeping, and then I get up the same person that I was before I even came down. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that as, as Paul, I could just hear Paul, in the book of Romans chapter 12 and he says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God and let me tell you something God wants us to lay it all down at the altar and say something along the lines of this I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me Oh, let me tell you something, church. It's time for us to give, us, give God our all. Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me tell you something. God gave everything when he hung on the cross. And that's what God expects from us. Mercy, can you hear the plea? Can you hear the plea of the world around us saying, you know what, I, I truly believe no matter how distraught and how crazy our world gets, I truly believe they're looking for something. They're looking for something joy. They want to have joy. They want to have something special. But the world is so, uh, so in, in, in turmoil and in sin that, we, that, that, they, that they can't look past the things and they can't get past their own pride and they, don't, and, and, and they, and they can't get to salvation or they can't, they can't get past all of these things that they have in their way. But let me tell you something. When Christians say, I give everything I can, let me tell you something. A sinner will look at that and they'll be like, mm, I kind of want that. When we act as Christians should act, which by the way, Christian does not mean you're saved. Christian means you're Christ-like. A believer means that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can be a believer and not be a Christian. So we need to be Christians tonight. We need to give our all to him. And I wonder if there's someone here tonight that says, you know what, God, I'm going to give everything. Literally, I'm going to give everything to you. I'm not holding anything back. Three things and I'm done tonight. The first thing I see here is I believe that Ornan had a reverence for his ruler. Ornan had a reverence for his ruler. I believe that Ornan, when he saw this angel of destruction, and he became, I believe truly, he became burdened. And I believe after he saw 70,000 men die, he became burdened with his, uh, with his attitude. In this text, I have no doubt that he might have thought something along the lines of this. All of this dis uh, destruction happening around me, no, sir. No, sir, not on my watch, 
I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. So he, he realized the problem. Verse number 20, he realized the problem. Let me ask you this. Are you burdened with the way the world is today? Are you burdened with, the, with what you see around you? Are you burdened when you go to work and you hear this, uh, uh, granted they might not know Jesus Christ, so we can't expect unsaved people to, uh, to act as saved people, but doesn't it burden you a little bit when you hear the Lord's name said in vain? It, sh- it should. I think, of, I think of it sometimes like this. Is what, if, what, if I, what if I talk bad about your mama or your family? What, what if I talk bad about them? Hey, listen, God, God should be higher than your parents and your friends and those you hold so dear in your heart. God should be higher, so it should do something. You should, we should be burdened as a, as a, as a, as a, a Christian, a Christian, in our Christian lives. We should be burdened with what's going on around us. I, I looked up some st- uh, statistics, and, and I figured since I'm the youth director, I'll look up statistics about teenagers. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So let me ask you this. Are you burdened with the thought that three out of four seniors graduate without their virginity? Three out of four graduate without their virginity. Anyone burdened with the fact that 20% of all 15-year-olds have sex by the time they're 15? Anyone bothered by the fact that in this generation, more and more 7th and 8th graders are smoking marijuana, weed, and pot? Anyone bothered with the fact that most teenagers spend 11 hours and 23, day, uh, 23, hours, 11 hours and 23 minutes a day on some form, a day on some form of social media? As unbelievable. Now let me stop. You can use those things for good. But can I be honest with you? Most of the time they're not. They're just not used for good. A lot of those social media websites. We need to understand that. We need to realize that there's a problem with our world. Because you can go back to that old saying that says, you can't fix the problem until you realize that there is one. You can't fix, maybe it's something personal in your life. You can't fix the sin or the issue in your life until you realize, hey, I got a problem. You, ha- you have to acknowledge the problem. He realized the problem. He recognized the person. Verse number 21. Ornan recognized the person. Ornan looked and he saw David and he bowed himself to David, King David. Oh my goodness, what, what, what it must have felt like. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be maybe doing your chores at home and, and you're cleaning and you're doing this and then you look out the window and you see the king's chariots coming down your driveway. Man, what it must have felt like to, for him to maybe, he, he's sweating and he's not even, he doesn't even know anything about King David coming and he looks down the driveway, hey, wait a minute, that's King David coming my way. He's coming down my driveway. Mercy, what it must have felt like. Ornan must have, uh, must have felt Uh, What Ornan must have felt to see the king coming down his driveway. When we talk about total surrender, let me tell you, it isn't, it isn't, listen, oh, please listen. It's not your mom, it's not your dad that's asking for your surrender. It's not pastor that's asking for our surrender. It's not the president that's asking for your surrender. It's not Oprah or Dr. Phil. It's not your singing group. It's not your friends from school. It's not your friends from work. It's not the person you hold most dearly in your heart today on this earth. It is God Almighty that's coming down your driveway. He's the one that's asking for your total surrender. Oftentimes we as Christians, man, we get so backwards. We get so mixed up. 
We need to recognize the person. We need to recognize who Jesus Christ is. Can you see him tonight? The king could have stopped at so many other places, but he went to Ornan's house. He went to the threshing floor of Ornan. I believe that here at, in Springfield, Missouri, at 8383 West State Highway 266, that God has come down your drive tonight in this building with this question. Are you going to give me my, your all? He's coming down your driveway right now. He's asking you this question. Are you going to give me your all? Are you going to give me your all? Now, this is the question tonight. He's asked it. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I was talking with one of our neighbors, and Mercy, we, I talked about how we, could, uh, we talked about how we could go and witness to certain people and different things. Mercy. And how sometimes we get, you know, on the, you know, the wrong idea of people. We get the wrong idea of people sometimes. Has that happened before? You know, you see someone and just you get the wrong idea. Oh, but praise the Lord when you're like, you know what? God's saying, I need to do this and I better do it. I need to do this and I better do it. You need to, we need to recognize who Jesus is. Ornan looked down and understood who he saw. He realized the problem, he recognized the person, and he respected his position. He respected his position. In verse number 21, Ornan bowed his face to the ground. Do you want to know why so many of us never give our all? Because we never get down. We never get down before the Lord. We never acknowledge who he really is. Reason why we can't give our all is because we don't understand his, mag his, his majesty. He respected his position. Where's the reverence today? Where's the reverence? Let me tell you something. This, this building, I understand it's a building, but we, we hold something special here in this auditorium, in the sanctuary. This is, this is an American Idol in here. This isn't a movie theater. This isn't, uh, this isn't uh, Dancing with the Stars. Let me tell you, there's only one star in here, and that is the star of David, the star of Bethlehem, the star of Judah, God Almighty. And if the star is out of place, you are out of place. And we are out of place when we put God off to the side and we worry more about how the, how the presentation of how we look or the presentation of how we sound. I am all for giving our best to the Lord. Please don't misunderstand me. I really am. I'm all for sounding good. I really am. But the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you think you're on key or not. If you're doing it for the Lord, amen. That's the way we need to do it. Giving our all to God, okay? We need to give our all to God. We need to res uh, understand he respected his position. He respected his position. He had a reverence for his ruler. Secondly, he had a readiness to react. He had a readiness to react. King David said, this is what I need. And Ornan said, take it to thee. Take it to thee. He noticed the request presented. Ornan noticed the request presented. Do you know what I've noticed is there are so few people even in tune with God that aren't even in tune with God enough to even know what he's asking from them. So many of us are in tune with our iPhone. We're in tune with our car. We tune it up. We make sure it runs great. 
We're in tune with our YouTube channel and our computer and our Instagram and our Twitter and our Facebook. Let me tell you something. I heard a preacher say this one time, and it's good. You need to get off of Facebook and get your face in the book. Amen. Oh, I wish I came up with that one, but I didn't. But I heard that preacher say that, and I said, that's good. That's good. Let me tell you something. God wants your all. And what is, it, what is it today for you? You know what? It could be your TV. Do you know what God's saying? I want it. It could be that relationship you're in. God says, I want it. It could be, it could be uh, the marriage that you're in right now, but you're not really focused on God. Hey, God wants it. It could be your children. I want it. It could, it, 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 it could be uh, your music. I want it. It could be your cell phone. I want it. It could be your computer. I want it. It could be pornography. I want it. It could be an addiction. I want it. It could be your family. I want it. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with family. But again, if we put them before God, there's a problem. It could be your family and God saying, I want it. I want your all. I want everything. I want you to give everything you possibly can. God, God wants it all. God wants it all. What are you holding back tonight? What are you holding back tonight? He noticed the request presented. He had no reason. This is, listen, he had no reason to pray. Ornan had no reason to pray. What do you mean, Brother Moses? Do you know what amazes me? As soon as David asked, Ornan said, here you go with no delay. Why is it that so many of us today when we know what God wants us to do, we take a step back and say, I'll pray about it. Huh? Why are you praying about something you already know you should be doing? Pastor, Pastor preached on forgiveness some more, a wonderful message. I really enjoyed it. Preached on forgiveness, and he, and he preaches from the word of God. That's what I love. If he, if he takes the word of God out of it, there's a problem. But I love that our pastor preaches from the word of God. And, and I love that he gives scripture and he says, you know what? It's not about me. It's not what I think. It's about what God thinks. And he preached on bitterness and he preached on forgiveness. And he laid it out pretty simple. Let me tell you, there's no reason, there's no need to pray about, you know, whether you should get right with that other person or not. You already know what's right. Go get right with them. Fix the issue. We already know. Well, I'm... Will you pray that I will be better at praying about praying? So you need to pray for your prayer life. Yeah, I'm going to pray for my prayer life, okay? You know what? You need to be more faithful to church. I pray about it. Wait a minute. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We know what the truth is. There's no need to pray about it. Hey, you know what? We need to tithe. I'll pray about it. Oh, wait a minute. We already know we're supposed to tithe. There's no need to pray about it. I heard someone say one time, says, you have no idea the kind of job I have. I can't afford it. Let me tell you, I can't afford it if I don't tithe. I'll be worse off if I, if I, when I miss a week by accident. I've done that before. I went, we didn't grab a check from home. Oh, it's an, uh, there's times I pray on the way to church, Lord, I'm sorry. And we have, to, we, have to, we have to get it for the nighttime or we might miss the whole Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. 
but we double up for the next week and make sure that God gets what is rightfully his. I heard a pastor say this too. I don't know why you get so nervous when I talk about tithing because I haven't began to talk about your money yet. It's not your money to begin with. It's God's. It's not your money to begin with. Let me tell you something. We have no reason to pray about the, the absolutes in God's word. I understand, well, I'm not sure if, I, I, if I'm called to, the, uh, called to the ministry. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm called to the mission field. I understand a lot of prayer needs to go into that. But on the absolutes, there's no need to pray. There's no need to pray. He had no reason to pray. He had no right to procrastinate. He had no right to procrastinate. Uh, David, uh, I'll give you this threshing floor, but I'll wait a little while before I do. Isn't that the, what we do with God oftentimes? God, I'll give you my all, but for the next couple months, let me, let me, deal, let me do what I need to do. I'll, again, I'll use the teenagers as an example, and you can use yourself as an example because I did this when I was a teenager and I went to camp. You've already told yourself, when I get to camp, man, I'm going to get on fire for God. I'm getting away from all the sin of the world, and I'm going to get so pumped up, man, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol, and I'm going to get so pumped up for God. Yes, I'm going to get it. But until now, until then, yeah, I'll get to you, God. Wait a minute. He had no reason to procrastinate. He had no reason. We have no right to procrastinate with God. But there's so many of us, and I will testify that I've come down here before. I filled out that card. I, I want to be this or I want to be that. I feel God leading here, and I do nothing about it. It concerns me when, so when a young man comes and they say, I want to be a missionary or want to be a preacher, and then they go to a secular college. It concerns me a little bit. If you're wanting to grow, you need to grow in what, excuse me. If you're wanting to grow, you need to grow in an area where you're going to be taught the Bible. Let me tell you something. It's not time for us to procrastinate. It's not time for us to, uh, to just uh, play with God and say, well, I'll pray about it. It's time for us to give God our all. It's time for us to give God our all. He had a reverence for his ruler. He had a readiness to react. And lastly, he had a relinquishing of his resources. He had a relinquishing of his resources. <laughs> I love Ornan's attitude here. I love Ornan's attitude. Like, you know how I talk about Enoch? How, how Enoch walked with God, how I love that? I love this one. So maybe in the next couple of sons, we might name our kid Ornan. Okay. Let me tell you, his attitude here, it wasn't a selfish attitude. It wasn't a selfish attitude. Verse number 23, And let my Lord the King do what is right in his eyes. Do you know what we should be saying to our God is, first of all, come on in and Lord, take my life and do what's right in your eyes. How's that song go? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Where, where is that with us now? I, I truly believe that Christians today or, or believers today have become so comfortable and apathetic that we have forgotten what to give God, and that is everything. I go to church, Brother Moses. I, uh, I give tithe, Brother Moses. 
What do you do on your cell phone? What do you do at work? What do you do with your family? Family's important. Spend time with them. What do, you, what, what, what do you do with all the other life things where people don't see you? I give God everything. I, give God, I, give, I will give God everything. I'm going to let me tell you something. Many of us have mapped out our lives of how we're going to live. That tell you, that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong attitude. When it comes to spiritual things, that's the wrong attitude. There's nothing wrong with having goals and saying, you know what, I want to be here and maybe the next five years or so with God's, with God's uh, hand upon our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not, this is it. We come short because we do this. It's not us telling God how to run our lives. It's us, it should be us giving God our lives and letting him run it. That's the way it should be. <clears throat> it wasn't a selfish attitude. It was not a solicited act. Remember the story? It says he was threshing wheat, and then he said, take it to the, I love Warden's attitude, he didn't penny pinch with God. He didn't penny pinch with God. You know what? I hear, I hear Christians, and honestly, it's, it's teenagers today, but there are many teenage Christians today, okay? There are many teenage Christians today that will read their Bible or they hear pastor preach or they hear their Sunday school teacher uh, teach or something along that line, and then they'll say something along their line of this. Oh, here we go again, another rule. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't watch this movie. I can't say this, and I can't say that. My skirts aren't too long. My blouse is too low. I need to dress better. My britches need to come up. I need to have this. I need to have that. I can't, I can't do all these things. I can't smoke. I can't drink. I can't cuss. I can't chew. I can't even run with those that do. I can't, I can't watch television. I can't do this, and I can't do... Let me tell you something. The attitude there is all wrong. When you are in love with Jesus. This is what it should be. It's not, oh, another rule. No, it's not something that I have to do. It's something woo, that I get to do for Jesus Christ because I'm in love with him. Here, it's the attitude of this. Here's my mind. Here's my soul. Here's my heart. Here's my family. Here's my phone. Here's my house. Here's my car. Here's my job. Here's my friends. Here's everything that I have for you, God, because I love you, not anything else. It's time for us as Christians to stop being in the attitude that we're comfortable and we have this okay life. If you give God everything you have, you'll go from okay to a joyful, happy life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Mercy. It's time for us to get real with God and stop playing games. It's time for us to say, you know what, I'm tired of holding on to this and I'm tired of holding on to that. Oh, it's, it's, it's this bitterness in my heart about this person. I just can't get past it. Give it to God and he can give you what you need to get past it. Oh, I can't, I don't know about this. My cussing, I, my, my, my coworkers cuss all the time and I always seem to fall and I always seem to make a mistake and I can't get past it. That's right, you can't get past it, but if you give it to God, God can get you past whatever issue you have in your life. I can't get past this lustful thought thinking in my head. Give it to God. You got to give it to God. And say, you know what? It's all to you I give. All to you I give. It wasn't a selfish attitude. It was not a solicited act. And lastly, he had no problem surrendering all. Ornan had no problem surrendering everything. Here's my life, Lord. All to Jesus I surrender. All to you I give. Have you given Jesus everything? 
Or is there this, this one thing you might be holding back on? I don't know what it may be, but the Lord's coming down your driveway tonight and saying, hey, will you give your all to me?